Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. So today we're going to talk about Masterclass. We did an episode a while ago, maybe even over yeah. a year or more. Um, about just kind of different master classes we were watching, and we thought it would be fun to revisit that as we've both um, watched more since then, and just kind of talk about the ones we've liked and things we've been learning from that. Well, do you mind if I share the one that got us talking yes. about this again? Because um, Fable on her Instagram put up something about Malcolm Gladwell's candy. Um yeah. His idea that you don't want to just give your readers a meal, give them a meal, that's good, (laughs) but give them candy, things that they can talk about, things that they can enjoy and kind of take from it in small bites and just enjoyable bites. And what's interesting is when you had put it up, I had just actually rewatched Malcolm Gladwell. Um, Uh I really like his a lot. He says yeah. a lot of great things about critique and putting things out in the world and yeah. and just about writing in general, structure, letting things kind of organically grow. Um, he has the weirdest stories, like yes. amazing weird stories about people and different spaghetti sauces and ketchup and <laughs> yeah. it it is just an interesting fascinating class from that he's a very interesting person but he has so many great things to say I think that were like useful takeaways yeah and and just valuable things about how we as human beings like to read like to think Mm -hmm. um things that we find enjoyable that Mm -hmm. he really dug into the psychology of things like that yeah for sure. Yeah, I had avoided this class for a while because I knew, like, yeah. oh, it's nonfiction. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love him as a writer, but like, or, I really enjoyed a lot of his books, but I still was kind of like, I, I want to read the, like, I want to watch the fiction writers, like, yeah. and other things. And I had pretty much run out of all the writing classes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess I'm watching Malcolm Gladwell now. Um, but I'm so glad that I did because it, you're right. Like, it just had, it had so much more in it than I expected. And um, yeah, I really took away a lot from it. I think that's a great point. Like he does have crazy stories and interviews, crazy people, but I liked that when he was talking about that, like he really tries to like get to the heart of of people and kind of show the complexity of people. um, Not just kind of the obvious funny thing, but he talked a lot too about like describe like descriptions and describing people that I found super Mm. interesting. Like the ways of, of really showing the reader a lot in just a short sentence or like two sentences and kind of how can you capture the essence of a person in writing and in, um, and in condensed writing really. Like I thought that was, was very, very interesting. There was a particular story where he talked about someone plagiarizing him um, mm. and like taking a bit of dialogue from his from an article he had written and using it in a play. And when he talked about her, like she came to his house to like 
talk to him about it after there was all this controversy and the way that he described her like just it just showed us so much and he talked about how that description then set up the ending and I think we talked last week about the Van Gogh episode and the like subtlety in that Mm -hmm. um and it was another like it was one of those examples of subtlety like that the end of that story and their conversation was very subtle, but it was set up because of this description that then made that subtlety like land. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. And I just thought that was kind of amazing. Yes. And I, I think in addition to that, his convert, like what he says about what you give, mm-hmm. what you give and when, like, mm-hmm. because I think in setting up things, Sometimes we get a little bit afraid that yes. it won't land. Yeah. And so we give, we signal what we're doing yes. rather than hold it back and allow our readers to be puzzled. Yes. People though like puzzles. And he actually has this great, like they're yes. on vacation yes. doing a puzzle. Yes. yes. <laughs> but I think we like to work like we do we don't like to we don't like it to feel like it's impossible Mm -hmm. but when we know or at least when we are signaled that this matters yeah and that it's going to be given to you we will work for that we will stick with it and there's actually one version of his articles where he's like there is actually no answer like (laughs) yes the end was that I there, loved that. there yeah. wasn't an answer. Yeah. But I even think that that was beautiful. Yes. You probably could only get away with it once. Yeah. But <laughs> there are things in life that have no clear ribbon mm-hmm. where a, a trail does go completely off and we don't have the answer to it. Mm-hmm. It actually reminded me of Margaret Atwood's um has she like talks about the ending of of the handmaid's tale and yeah. of the things that you don't know. Like there this was found, you know, found the the book itself is, is something that has been found and we will never have the full answer. All we will have is what was on this, you know, piece of paper, yeah. what, what has been written down. And I I think there's it's good to remember that. You don't have to give out everything. You can yeah. put it in this frame that actually leaves certain things out. Yeah. Know what that's going to do to your reader, but it's perfectly plausible and reasonable to do that. And sometimes it makes more it more interesting. Sometimes Absolutely. it even makes that end land better or differently yeah. than if they had a wider scope of Absolutely. the story. Yeah, I love that, that this idea that and giving writers freedom to end ambiguously. And like he talked mm-hmm. in that about kind of um, how we, we like imperfect things better than we like yes. perfect things. And it's yes. kind of like you people are more likely to talk about the things that are kind of imperfect yes. and you want people talking about your work. And I, I thought that was super interesting. It, it made me think a lot about Colleen Hoover because mm. I have a very complex relationship with her. <laughs> I both love and hate them like, like very adamantly at the same time. Yes. Um, and That's I think valid. that is a little bit how she is. Like she's a little polarizing. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is, kind of why like and part of probably why Mm. she's gotten so popular too is because she does 
she presents questions and things in her work and doesn't shy away from very difficult and very um, psychological questions, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't try to answer them (laughs) and she just kind of presents them. And it leaves you with like a lot to talk about. And in particular, like, I don't know, have you read Verity yet? Or I haven't. Okay. It's very disturbing. I don't know that I would even really recommend it. But at the end, she leaves the ending super ambiguous. And I got to the end and I was just like, I have to talk about this with someone, please. Somebody talk to me about this. (laughs) Um, And I feel like Malcolm Gladwell, you talked about that and you talked about like, how do you get people to do that? You want people to do that with your articles or with your stories or whatever it is. And it's, I think it's hard to do because we do want to like wrap things up with a bow or we want to like create smooth, perfect stories or things that are, you know, like, and sometimes it is those flaws and that imperfection that really actually draws people in, which I thought was, I thought that was a fascinating idea. I love that too. And it it actually made me think of, so Emily Henry in Book Lovers, Mm -hmm. like she, she often doesn't tie her stuff Mm -hmm. up into a complete and happy and perfect little beautiful bow where everything is like, there's often happy endings, but they're also like this kind of, there's a little ambiguousness to them. That's true. There's like a, either a piece of sand in there that, that is going to make life a little challenging or she doesn't like give us everything especially at the end of book lovers because there's this ambiguity at what's going to happen next like the book hasn't come out they don't know if it's going to be a success or a failure and there's just kind of this beautiful you have lots of things tied up and it was very satisfactory And I think it's actually one of the most satisfactory endings Mm -hmm. because it absolutely left me wanting more. Like it absolutely left me like begging her to go back in and write a short story that does things. And I, I think you're right that things stick, like things come and go through our brains all the time. Like, yeah, we listen to them. It goes out um, and they don't really make an impact, but usually the ones that aren't, completely perfect even the caraval uh, series there's a question that i am dying to know the answer for and i'm like write your sequel stephanie garber (laughs) so that we know what happens to in this next kind of element of the story um but she purposefully doesn't give us that like there is a completely openness to what could come next but it's not wrapped up. It's not tied up. We know that it's out there. And I, I just think it's brilliant. I think it's a great way of considering writing. You know, we've talked about yeah. Dan Brown in the last conversation and about if you make a promise, fill, fulfill that promise. Yeah. But this is different. This is mm-hmm. leave something open. Leave something yeah. even for it to go in the next book where there's it feels like life and there's a little bit of uncertainty or there's yeah. a little bit of like unknowingness mm-hmm. um, that feels really good and authentic and real. Yeah. Well, and I think you have to, you have to be careful because you do need to, you want your reader satisfied, um, but yeah. also unsatisfied at the same time. And walking yes. on that line is very difficult. And, and I think you, you hit on a note there, like when you said, if you make a promise, you have to fill it. And I think that is the the thing. Like if you, 
raise a really big question, a question that involves the entire plot, then I think you yes. do need to kind of satisfy that plot line. Um, yes. But you can satisfy a plot line while still leaving a question in the air and a like little bit of ambiguity yes. about what's going to happen. I really liked to like, he talked about kind of the things that get us talking to each other are are things like that, that this question that's still there, this puzzle that isn't solved yet, that isn't wrapped up. Um, and then also the things that are just like super unique about a character yes. or personality or um, <laughs> those things that are just like, oh, th- there was this guy who did this thing or, you know, like, like, yeah. I mean, the ketchup you know, like, um, or, or whatever is exactly a, a, an example of that. But I think yeah. that that's another thing we can, like, I took away from that is how can I give yes. my characters these things that are so kind of out there that they get people talking about them. Megan Quinn has a book. Um, yeah. So not meant to be um, is the one by Megan Quinn. And in mm. there, one of the characters, <laughs> he like keeps donating to this pigeon rescue. <laughs> <laughs> me up and it, it's the thing I talked about with that book you know like yes. I would read a chapter of that book and then I'd come in and tell my husband oh my gosh you're not gonna believe this like there's this character that whenever he gets depressed he donates like thousands and thousands of dollars to this <laughs> pigeon rescue and then he buys this pigeon like a little tuxedo and all <laughs> it's so ridiculous like it's so ridiculous and yes. yet within this character in this world it still makes sense it's still fitting and it's yes. that little nugget it's that candy that little thing that like yeah of sand that thing that you just like want to talk to people about and like I just keep thinking like how do you how do you do that like how do you like I really think that's one of the biggest things I walked away from his class with um is thinking about stories and how can you how can you get people talking about them yes well and I think what's great about that because it is absurd but it's like it is human absurd like I'm like (laughs) I could see a version of reality where that's me yes. not with pigeons but <laughs> but where i'm doing something kind of equally absurd i yes. mean and that's what's kind of beautiful is you can kind of mine even our own weird yeah. eccentricities because we yeah. all have them and kind of try to figure out okay what what could be an eccentricity that feels human that yes. could be an even listening to other people talk or like listening to their stories, there's so many different ideas you can get about yeah. how to create memorableness. Yeah. I think remembering that that's, I, I think this is also from Margaret Atwood's class, be interesting. That's the rule. Like yes. the, the main rule is be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is you're writing. And and I love that because we forget, like yes. we forget we're writing something and we're like, it has to be this way and we have to do it in this. Be interesting. Like, just remember that you that can break a whole lot of writing what, rules if yes, it's interesting. If yes. you're interesting. <laughs> and, and I think even like finding the books that you're like, this is mad, but I read every page and wanted to talk about it afterwards. Like, yeah. what are those books that that you're like, this is just madness and craziness. And I, I think remembering that we don't have to kind of follow in anyone's footsteps in that we can, we can do something that feels like it does feel a little nutty to, mm-hmm talk about pigeons, yes. <laughs> maybe thousands of dollars to it. But 
that that sticks it has a stickiness to be something that we're like oh I loved this element about it or oh I thought that was super weird and and really it is weird I would say sometimes yeah but sometimes the thing you love can be the thing you find super weird and can be the thing you kind of also hate just a little bit like there can be complex I told you that that's how I feel about Colleen Hoover (laughs) yeah yeah all of the feelings and and that's it it's interesting because I I have often thought and it's true with enemies to lovers so I think it's true with life too it is so much easier to love something that you hate Mm. it is it is hard to love something that you feel indifferent about yeah or like just blah um because I think there is an element of when you hate something, there was something that you once cared about in it. Mm. Um, And I think sometimes vice versa, like it kind of like you both things can be accurate that you can also like hate something about what you love. And and so I think that we look at strong emotions and and that can be what we're shooting for is Mm -hmm. the like, I've been reading... (laughs) I've been reading Stephanie Garber's um, uh, Once Upon a Broken oh, Heart yeah. and the I've Ballad been of the I'm enjoying it. Okay. It's about Jax. And Jax yeah, is that. a complicated character. Yes. And I feel a lot of things about Jax. Yes. A lot of complicated and confused and love-hate. Like yes. There are so many things inside of me about Jax. But I picked up that book because I felt something about the character and not nothing like yes I think that reminding ourselves that we don't have to feel uncomplicated things about something and often as human beings we're used to that very weird and uncomfortable complicatedness Mm -hmm. so shooting for that where there's a little bit of there's a little bit of both can be really even more I think engrossing than something where you just feel one way yes there are lots of books that I read and love but then I forget about them like so they never crossed my mind again (laughs) they were enjoyable they were they were great they were great stories great you know perfect things but there wasn't any of that like yeah any candy any grain of sand anything that made them kind of stick in my head and I I think there's a place for that um for stories that are just just nice (laughs) but they're not the stories that yeah but they're not the ones that get people talking and they're not the ones that really um yeah that stay with people or that make it big I don't think yeah it's those ones that are just a little imperfect so that's that I wonder if that's some of also like I mean we've talked before about how the alpha male kind of thing is so huge (laughs) everybody loves this like alpha male and yep and how like disturbing sometimes those alpha males are like when you really think about it they're just like um this is not okay and yet I I think maybe that's some of what makes them stand out and makes us remember them is because yeah they they say these horrible dirty things or they do these things that are like kind of outrageous or um you know but all in the name of love (laughs) yeah a little bit shocking a little bit yeah and and it really it makes you think about then you're like Kylo Ren's and who like are massively huge and yeah. you're you know even Hades which we've talked about before we keep coming back to that story and yeah. it's like he abducted her it should be really creepy yes. like a cautionary tale and yet like we somehow keep coming back to that and it's yeah. 
it's interesting how you even because sit it's with a little it. disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like it is not watered down. Like mm-hmm. it is potent and yeah. potent is huge too. Mm-hmm. Um a- another masterclass that I really enjoy is actually Issa Rae and she is a she Yeah, I haven't done watched her web. either actually. Yeah. She is great. Was next on my and, list. And so. she she does screenplays, she does but she talks a lot about character and mess. Mm. And mm. so she when she was coming up with her first one um so I think Unstable is is one of hers but there was like I think it was Diaries I want I want to say it was Diaries of an Awkward Black Girl okay. and it is awkward was her word like she uh-huh. felt it was truthful to her but it was also something that she could do and she shows a clip of it and it's it's hilarious it's like her in her head being like okay I'm walking down this hall and I'm passing someone for the second time like do I say like hi again <laughs> or do I like how do I and it's so yeah. super relatable and I think the mess in people yes. um what's funny is she finds that the other person is also awkward and she's like hey you're awkward and they can <laughs> kind of jointly be awkward together mm-hmm. but that's that's what's beautiful is like mm-hmm. sometimes it's just so nice to see someone else and their mess and be yeah. like oh yeah I get that or yeah. or feel better by comparison or like any of that is so I think it helps link us in a way mm-hmm. that's a lot more that that has a lot more depth than someone that we're just like oh that's a really compelling love story like yeah. when we can kind of map ourselves in and be like well, that's messy, but that's messy in a way that I totally get. And I yes. I can relate to it kind of, it allows us, I think, to connect more deeply. It allows yeah. us to, I think even in our own relationships, you know, getting back to like the Hades and the weirdness, like all relationships have those flaws. All relationships have those moments where you're like, what the heck did I do? Like, this was the worst decision of my life. And then also like the moment where you're like, this is the best decision of my life. I'm so glad I made this choice. And, and I think reminding ourselves that feeling complicated feelings about things is how we feel normally. And so there's something that we relate to there when there's messiness, when there's, feeling like both the like I hate you but I love you like all of that feels really true to the human experience yes it makes me think of um writing the breakout novel he talks about um in that book he talks about like he doesn't say it this way but essentially like dialing your characters up to 11 and and I think that that's something like taking that thing that's relatable that little like you know I'm I'm kind of awkward and I think about I overthink things and then like blowing it out of proportion in a very specific (laughs) moment and example, taking it like so much bigger than you think you need to so that it's really sticks. And so it kind of gets hooks in people and makes them talk about it or think about it or remember it. Um, And I think sometimes we're a little too timid. I'm a little too timid to do that. Like I kind of want my characters to well be believable or kind of like, like, and I end up, with kind of one-dimensional characters it's it's a problem (laughs) I recognize it I'll admit to it but I think some of that is that fear of like not wanting to take it so big and not wanting to like to expand on those things or go over the top with them yes 
Well, I think some of that is that balance. Like yeah. I, I also have been watching um, Steve Martin's and he's, he says, you know, about mm-hmm. characters that make sure that let them be human beings at times, yeah. like let them yeah. just act like a human being would, but also give them that personality and character. And yeah, I think remembering that you don't have to be like, you don't have to be that flavor the entire time. Yes. But for sure. when you can be that flavor some of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that can be great in like, yeah. you don't have to keep it at 11 the entire story. Sure. You can sure. have it move and change, but don't yeah. be afraid of flavor. Don't yeah. be afraid of color. Don't be afraid of going strong and pulling it back. Yeah. And and I think that's a great reminder of we sometimes are afraid of being too much. Yeah. But I think I think the biggest fear is actually being of too little. Like mm-hmm. I, I think for me, like with reading, that it's rare that I put a book down because it's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, and Steve Martin's characters are such a great example of that. Like all of the characters he plays are so over the top and yet you're right like they have these layers and these moments and um like you do have to kind of give that dynamic uh, or make it dynamic so that it ebbs and flows um while still being willing to to go big you're right i haven't put down a book because of that in fact i'm more likely to read a book i mean like i said the pigeons you know, like, I'm just, I'm right. <laughs> all of the pigeons i'm sorry i'm, I'm gonna say it so big uh, there is in book lovers. There is bigfoot porn. That's yes, talked about. I love the bigfoot porn. It's one, it's one of my favorite parts of that book, and it's totally what you like. What sticks in your head, and you remember. And I'm, yeah, absolutely. And they're like going back and forth on it. Is so hilarious, and yes. it gives them something to bounce off of with each other. It's yeah. funny and absurd and crazy. And you're like, would we ever do this? Who cares? Like, it just gives them this great thing to keep bouncing off of on occasion. Yeah. And like, because she starts it, he can be like, the, like about it or be like, you know, there's so many ways to take it. And mm-hmm. I just love it. it. And as we said, it's stuck like in yeah. my head. Yeah. It lives there rent free. And, and, you really do want things that are iconic, that live rent-free, that mm-hmm. that preoccupy someone's time, even if it's just hilarious and, like, weird and mm-hmm. off, you know. Allie Hazelwood does it, too. Like, in her short stories, she, one of them has, like, this pet hamster that's, like, a huge part of her world. Yeah. And it's just, like, little things like that. There are also things that allow us to believe that this is a human being because we're doing a magic trick when we write. We are convincing everyone that this world is real. These people (laughs) are real. And I think the specific weird details of a person in terms of a character, like it allows us to believe more easily. Because who would make that up, right? Like, who would make up that <laughs> Only a crazy person. <laughs> We're just pretty much what, what we are as a group. <laughs> I, I don't think that's wrong. Yeah. But it's great hearing other writers talking about 
the ways we get the little details, the subtle details that make a human being human and that make us kind of care and that make us kind of connect. And even that where we believe that that's another person where we can start to see them in our heads. As you said about those very specific potent details, um, they're the poets, especially on Masterclass, like uh, I just Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman's, and it's so oh. good. I loved it. It was Hers. way better than I expected, honestly. Like, I went into that one also being kind of like, oh, we'll see. Like, she's young. I like her poetry, but I don't know how much she'll really have to teach as a class or, you know, like how she'll be yeah. as a teacher. She's a fabulous teacher. She fabulous went for teacher. It. it is probably one of the best, like, I was one of my covering, yeah, like covering so many different areas mm-hmm. of mechanics and craft. Yes, while also talking about like the internal stuff. Of yeah. The, like, yeah, I agree. It was to... one of the most practical ones on on Masterclass. It was super. Yes. Yeah, it was fascinating. I loved her close reading. Yes, um, where she would talk about the words used yes. and how honed the words in poems are. Yeah. So read poetry because it helps you like connect with these words that are being used to describe things in as short a way as possible. And that's, I think, what one of the things that poetry has to give. I think Billy Collins does this really well, too, where he's talking about Mm -hmm. in that short amount, you know, short space telling you a story or giving you a very distinct feel of something with just a few words. And I... I think I love that about poetry is you can find the way to describe something as quickly, efficiently, but as not generally as, yeah. as flavorfully Interesting. as possible. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Interesting again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And even description from that perspective, when you read poems and they have descriptions in there, it is kind of hearkening back to that make them wear a funny hat from Neil yes. Gaiman's class. Yes. But I think reminding yourself that you don't need a lot of space. And sometimes when you want something to land, use less space. Like yes. sometimes be, be more succinct rather than going yeah. too far into this. What's important here? Like what is the yeah. important thing for the reader to take away in this very short space? You can give some of those other things yeah. away later or at different times where it's more interesting to give them but almost if you try to give them all at one point it's like it's almost too much like <laughs> yes yes I loved how in Amanda Gorman's class she like walked you through some of that process of like mm-hmm. her writing a poem and then editing it to like yes. fine-tune that and and get down to the right word and and delete things that weren't necessary and um and I, I thought that was so great to like she thought she was so thoughtful about not just the word choice mm-hmm. and the description, but just like what was really needed and what wasn't um, to kind of boil it down to that essence. Yes. I, and I think there's something about like, not just hearing about it abstractly, but seeing yes, it, seeing it in practice. In practice. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think that there's a lot of that in masterclass that you get to see these things mm-hmm. in action actual practice in like when she's doing the close reading she does it with you and circles things that like the what's going through her mind and I with her class specifically I think it was so honed in on these are the tools I have 
I am going to try to give you those same tools or at least a way in to, to create those tools. Um, It was so generous in that Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And I, I feel with the editing, I don't know, have you seen Roxanne Gaze? Yes. Yes. I watched that one a little while ago. It's less fresh in my mind, but yeah, I remember really enjoying it. She has, she does. I kind of connect hers with Amanda Gorman's a little in my mind, although they're they're different. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like they take different lenses to it, but they are very complete in in the way that they go. Hmm. And she talks a lot about, I I think she kind of goes in the like connecting with the emotion side and kind of getting through there. But with the, like she talks a lot about lenses and frame Mm. of mind and what, what you're looking for at different points and what to care about. Um, I feel like she's really good at like helping people figure out their own process of where do I need to think about something at this point? And where do I need to think about this there? Um, I just loved her editing process. Like Mm. even if someone just read, went through those she calls hers revision um um, like the word that you used previously on the podcast about kind of revisioning again so seeing again and using new new eyes at different levels um I I love that about hers and kind of talking about humor and she's Mm -hmm. a very funny person yeah I remember really laughing and having just like good humorous (laughs) moments between her and amanda gorman amanda gorman is just so thoughtful and she thinks on so in so many different interesting ways that i think was really helpful and then you had roxanne gay who it was kind of leading with heart and leading with gut and so it was kind of beautiful how they kind of played well with each other Mm. um (laughs) I know we've talked a little bit about Margaret Atwood's um, yeah. and I think hers is also one of those that takes a bunch of different lenses to something. It's yeah. not necessarily like a one-on-one class, which I would call. Yeah. It's not as like, practical, a little more yeah. like her experience and yeah. Yeah. But it, but it's all about how we see and yeah. how we think about things and kind of challenging some of, what we think we have to do and kind of allowing us to really sit with, is that really a rule that you have to abide by or can you do something different? Yeah. And like even point of view, like I think she does a great job of exploring point of view and about when you want to use different types of point of view and Mm -hmm. where the benefits are between them. There was um, also, she was talking about like how writers talk about writing Hmm. and that often like Neil Gaiman's with the headlight, it's like going into a room with a lamp and you can't see everything all at once. And so don't be afraid when you can't see everything of your story in the room at once. Like it was just really it was helpful for when you feel like something's eluding you or Mm. like you're not getting this aspect of the story. Like, and like it will, the fear that it will never come. Um, I think she was really comforting in that talking about, you know, this kind of 
taking a step forward and then another one and having faith that the story is there kind of underlying yeah. as you write it. Um, it was kind of beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, it's been, I wish hers was one of the first ones I watched. So it's been a really long time since I watched that one, but. Um, so I, we've talked about it before and I, I just wanted to bring up two others. One, um, Joy Harjo, she yes. does so much. I She's also a poet. Too. Yeah. Um, she does a lot about listening and about yeah. observing and noticing and not just noticing, but like deep yeah. noticing and her class almost felt like uh, yeah. meditation in some way or like right? I don't know it just kind yes. of, it was it was, it was a lot of more like a lot of yes. feeling yeah yes and I think there's that's what's great about master classes there's that yeah. wide range yes. of things that kind of help give you different things because if it yeah. was all the same I think it would be a little frustrating because mm -hmm. you would be constantly getting the same thing but we're getting different aspects of things where yeah. even if you looked at all of them on the same topic they would be different yeah. um I didn't mention it in the last episode and I really wanted to so Amy Tan's like beginner's mindset is one of the things I love about the encouraging everyone it kind of harkens back to that um Hemingway quote that's like we are all apprentices in a craft where no one becomes a master and then it's yeah. like take in and really glean what you can from everything you're interacting with and then lastly um so s devlin talks about ideas and art she's actually um a yeah she is a play um she creates like backgrounds and sets for oh, plays and uh -huh. pop concerts yeah. she did like the uh, the um painted flag for the 2012 um huh. british olympics like in britain she de designed that she's a very high profile high level designer she is fantastic she talks about iteration she talks about ideas and connecting with an audience and mm. building trust and taking mm -hmm. them by the hand through what it is you're, that you're doing and making sure to signal that they're in safe hands. Yeah. I interesting. Hers was a delight, even though she doesn't write necessarily. I think we forget it's that still kind some of, a of what form we do. Of storytelling. Yeah. Well, but we do create visual elements within our stories mm -hmm. and reminding ourselves that when we listen to other artists and another one I loved is Corey Damon Jenkins, who um, he does interior design. Mm -hmm. Some things that they do really do sit well within when we write description um, mm -hmm. within what, what it is we are trying to figure out when we're trying to place things to figure out what, belongs yeah. in a story or an idea um there's so much there that I think is really useful from that perspective of just figuring out what the story of your story is um yeah. and sitting with that refining ideas um they do a great job of kind of walking through their practice which yeah. I think is very transferable and I talked about Kelly Whistler's last time in her vibe box um I think 
recognizing that some of the things that they do with their intuition actually are very helpful for us when we're trying to figure out what the important visual elements that we want to describe within our books are and what ones are just curious and do we just not want to highlight necessarily even if they're there yeah well it is so important to make that distinction too like we don't want to highlight every detail or put in every absolutely but you want to pick those ones that are really um pertinent to the story and that really matter yeah absolutely well clearly we are big fans of masterclass um of their writing classes as well as their other things so we um we are not being paid for this. That is not an advertisement, but we do have an affiliate link in there. So if you are interested in masterclass and don't already, um, aren't already subscribed to that, use our link because it helps us too. (laughs) Um, but we hope that you keep learning and growing in all different forms and ways and that keep writing and writing and putting your work out into the world. 